Welcome to New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. The mission of this podcast is to explore the life and experiences of those who at one time held a front row ticket to the greatest show on earth, policing the streets of New York City. This show hosts a wide variety of guests from all walks of life and professions, but remains centered around introducing retired members of the NYPD to our audience while having real unfiltered discussions. Please tune in each week and like and subscribe to hear true crime stories and opinions on past and present events like you've never heard them before. All right, everybody. 265 Police Live from New York's Finance Retirement Filter Podcast. How you doing, everyone? Unfortunately, we're at a sad moment. It's been many sad moments within the NYPD. So John and I here at New York's Finance Retirement Filter Podcast to start out our new 265 Police Live. We want to commemorate the life of Officer Adid Fayaz, who unfortunately was killed by the hands of thugs in a transaction that went uh, went wrong, attempting to buy, purchase something off Facebook. This is an unfortunate and tragic event. It's so sad. It's unfortunate. Our cops within the NYPD are dying on duty. They're dying to suicide. And unfortunately, the streets of New York City have become so havoc. We're, even, we're losing the lives of our loved ones, our cops, to the streets off duty. So, uh, Officer Adid Fayaz, uh, farewell. May you rest in peace. Uh, to the family out there, we wish you nothing but wellness and uh and we hope that you heal as quickly as possible. And uh, it's just, it's so tragic to hear that uh, he lost his life in, in an unfortunate event to thugs that should not even be walking the streets of New York City that thought that they could actually get away with this because the streets are just in total havoc. Extremely sad. Well, with that going forward, we also want to honor Officer Breen, who attempted to take his life so sad. John and I were recently talking about the mental health that's going on within the NYPD. So before we go into the topic of this week's uh, event, I just want to say to the police officers out there, the cops, the rank and file, the NYPD is supposed to be a family. Let's not just love each other's in death, but let's love one another in life. Let's support each other. So here we are. We're at a point where the vaccine has been the vaccine mandate has been removed. Mayor Eric Adams had doubled down and reinforced the vaccine mandate upon his arrival and his indoctrination as the mayor of New York City. But now, here we are at a point, February 10th of 2023, the vaccine mandate for New York City workers is going to be no longer in existence. And the timing is, is completely ironic, but John and I are going to go into this, but what I can tell you is this. Cops are celebrating. Teachers are celebrating. Firefighters. Numerous agencies throughout New York City are celebrating. And they call this a victory. And I can tell you this. It is not a win. This is absolutely not a victory. It's a complete loss. Because the terms of potential re-employment are completely unfair. I think this is just one big slap in the face to all the city workers that were out there during the pandemic, post-pandemic, 
that had to make a life choice to get backed into the corner, into a wall, to decide if you want to take this vaccine, if you were opposed to it. Now, some did take it. that They weren't. I admit I was not opposed to it at the time. I wish I did not take the vaccine because I would love to support my fellow men and women that were against it because I agree it should be a choice. But we're not sticking together on this. And it, the events that are surrounding this are completely unfair and unjust. And it's just a total slap in the face to our city workers. So, John, let's go into this. Let's talk about this, what they're doing to the city workers, what they did to you. You had to make a life choice. So now you're at a position here. You have 16 days to make a decision if you want to reapply or not. I know you're not going to, but how does that make you feel? I know that you've been pretty adamant. You've been expressive on Twitter, and our viewers know that. But we want to hear from you exactly how does that make you feel, and how should everyone else feel, and what should be their approach to it now? Yeah, so, I mean, it just comes out. You know, the document comes out yesterday, you know, we have all the common sense caucus celebrating. It's a victory. It's over. We won. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's not over for me. It's not over for thousands of people in New York City, you know, and now we just got a leaked document of the terms, you know, and, and you know, I think Ina Vernikoff, who, you know, she was a little vocal about the vaccine, that the vaccine mandate, that it was wrong. Um you know, it's, it's fun. To, it's nice to say things about it. I mean, but here we are a year later, people had no employment and she puts out a tweet, vaccine mandates over, reapply. Reapply. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's a huge slap in the face. I, ha I have 16 days left. I want to walk through the document with you. You know, we could talk about did uh, Amy at uh, No One You Know's podcast, who I was actually on, who does a great show all about New York mandates, New York mandate, po uh, you know, podcast that has all all who have been fighting this this immoral, illegal mandate for a year. She's basically interviewed anyone. It's a great podcast. Uh, I think in history it'll be looked at as a as as a real uh, as a real um, like piece of journalism like that really documented what New York city did. And to me right now, what's going on, I see it. I, I, I do see it as a victory, but a very small victory and an incremental victory. But what I see that New York city mayor is attempting to do now is continue to further the coercion, continue to further to place people in a corner. And again, I like I I've expressed on some times, I don't think I've ever done it on this podcast, but I, I believe the way they rolled it out was done very intentionally. They rolled out it. They rolled out the vaccine mandate. And what two professions did they go after first? They went after nurses and they went after teachers. Why? Because there were women there. Why do I point that out? Because like I have no noted some of the people that had the biggest balls in this fight were the women because they were backed into the corner first. But nurses and teachers, women-driven field, women are predominantly less likely to be aggressive, less likely to be combative, less likely to fight against something other than men. Um, and they use them because 
again, and specifically the teachers union, because, because again, nurses really don't have, nurses really don't have a union per se. They don't have strong union representation like the teachers, but they use the teachers because they knew that they would set precedent. So what happened was teachers union goes in, judge says right away that, you know, you can't do this. You can't disapprove people's religious exemptions. You can't just say we're not giving out religious exemptions because it's so bad. The Constitution doesn't say, well, you could just forget about it. Or the law doesn't say, well, you could just forget about it if there's a if there's a, a pandemic or anything else. The law is the law. We don't have exemptions except what New York City government did, which a lot of the United States governors did, is use an emergency exemption. So they tried to do that and say, we're not going to give any medical or any religious exemptions for anything, which is insane to me because, I mean, you could take the best piece of medicine that's ever been invented in the world. There are people that cannot take that medicine, whether it be for religious or medical reasons, because they'll die. But New York City just decided to go against hundreds of years of science and hundreds of years of law and the basis founding of this country, which was religious freedom. So they decided to go against that totally and say, you cannot have any of those. So a Supreme Court judge said, ruled, no, you have to give religious exemptions. And Michael Mulgrew goes right in. He goes right into collective bargaining the next day. He comes out and he himself violates the Constitution and he says, okay, we're going to accept limited religious exemptions and limited medical exemptions. So what did he do? He set precedent, right? He set precedent. I, I, I don't believe that he bargained for us. Again, they're not uniform. They're not, they're not uniform. So we, we never had collective bargaining on our end. You know, um, this violated labor law. This violated the Constitution. This violated the contracts we signed. This violated OEO law uh, and the NYPD's own OEO policy, as well as every New York City agency's policy. Vaccine mandate violated everything that we know to be legal and true. However, our unions had already made the decision prior to Eric Adams um, coming into office and prior to the mandate even being initiated that they were not going to fight it aggressively. Um, I, I know, Eric, you were at that LBA meeting that I spoke yes. at. heard Lou Turco say that. You heard him say it to me. We are not going to fight it. This is bigger than us. This is bigger than the LBA. And I, I was disgusted, absolutely disgusted. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Um, and, you know, the vaccine mandate for me personally left me with high stress, high blood pressure, um, in debt, highly in debt, without a paycheck and without medical benefits. I was, I was left like thousands of others go out in the street and die, right? I decided to retire to get my good guy letter and keep my gun and be able to, to maybe use my 18 years of experience to find a law enforcement career in another state. I winded up not doing that. Others who were terminated, who stuck to their guns, who sw who stuck to their oath that they swore and stuck to their beliefs and stuck to their bodily autonomy, what they knew to be true, they don't even have a good guy letter. They don't even have the ability to carry a gun. They cannot even get hired by another police department in the country because it's a termination. Um, and then... You know, the last set of people there is the, the people who really fought it to the end and decided they couldn't 
go without the paycheck or the benefits and they took the show um which again is a porn it's a porn um you know it's the <laughs> new york city did i don't think it should ever be forgotten and new york city mayor now is you know i know why i believe he pulled the mandate but eric why, why do you think that he took the mandate now specifically at this time uh, this is an easy one clearly there was a lawsuit down the pipe but this time he is being sued personally so this is just cya cover himself and that's why i'm shocked i gotta be honest john i'm shocked that you're saying this is a small victory i don't see any victory in this the amount of stress that they put the cops through any rank and file including yourself there's no parallel to to this this small victory at all. It's completely unmatched. I don't see any victory because the amount of stress that you had to go to, the decisions that you had to make, and even those that made the decision to take the vaccine, those that didn't want to, they're also going through stress right now too because they may be going through resentment, regret, and that makes them dangerous. That makes them dangerous to themselves when we talk about mental health because some of those people may very well be mentally deteriorating and breaking down because they made a decision ultimately that they have to live with forever. Because in 20, 30 years when the police department is behind them, they're always going to ask themselves, what if I was John McCarry? What if I took a stand? Where would I be today? Maybe I would be happy with myself. Maybe giving up the police department is the best path best path for some people i do believe you were meant for this path so i i, I do I, i'm curious though on one thing because you really delved into this so we know there was a potential medical accommodation and religious was there an other is there a, another a type of accommodation it's just medical and religious that's it okay medical and religious accommodation that's it I know I've asked you this before, but this is very important that our viewers understand this. Did you ever, and I, I'm, being, I'm being facetious, but I know, have you ever received any literature of what criteria you had to meet for religious exemption or medical exemption? No. Right. So, basically, this was all thrown out of the hip. There was no actually legitimate rules. Nothing was ever documented. And that's why this is completely immoral and, and unethical. Because if we had to go back to say, hey, where's the literature about what are the reasonable accommodations? We don't know. So they were able to cherry pick. Well, if you're Richard Shea, uh, you may have the religious exemptions. Or if you fit, fit a certain mold, you're a, a, a choice employee at the time, or maybe your 50A is too high, and that's an opportunity to get rid of you. I don't know. We we honestly, we don't know. There's no criteria. We don't know the method. Was there a board panel? How were these decisions made? Was it an OEO detective? Who made this decision? Was it DCAS? It was uh, Michael Melkowski, the director at OEO. And I think they just bumped him up to an executive director. Or maybe even higher. Maybe he's assistant commissioner now. I don't know. But he made the first decisions, which is my letter states, where they basically said, thanks for applying, but no thanks. And gave me zero reason. And he signed it. And now the police department's position is, oh, that wasn't them. That was DCAS. And, but DCAS doesn't know anything about it and how those decisions were made. So they're just playing a shell game and no one wants to know it. But, Mike, I have your name on my paper. So that's why I keep naming you and things. And that's why, you know, we'll see each other. You know, we'll see each other. <laughs> so do you agree that, that Mayor Adams is now pushing forward with this opportunity to reapply because he's being sued personally and he's actually liable 
It's definitely one of the reasons. But there's, I think there's a, a whole ton of reasons. Like they're losing basically every court case at this point, right? They're losing every court case. And what are they doing as they lose the court case? We're appealing. We're appealing, right? They're losing because they had no grounds to originally institute this mandate. They had no grounds in our labor law. They had no grounds legally. They had no grounds OEO law. I mean, they violated. The only literature we did have was the reasonable accommodation and what the process is for that. And they violated that completely. They didn't follow. They didn't adhere to a reasonable accommodation process. That was the only thing we had literature on. I never met with anyone. No one ever spoke to me. I got a letter. They based what my beliefs are off a letter. And again, their job wasn't to say, is, is John McCarty religious or is Eric Dim religious? Their job was to say, whoa, what just happened? Well, I lost you for a second. Sorry. Okay. Their, <laughs> their job was to say, uh, their job was to say, can we accommodate or can we not? And like the beard, right? Like the beard, I said, I'm not a fan of the beard. I still shave. I shave every day. Eric uh, likes the beard. I don't think he wore it in uniform, though. No. I think he shaved every time he was in uniform. Um, you know, um, I, I know when you remember when that broke, right? Everybody started putting reasonable accommodations in because of the Leviticus. They found a passage in the Bible, right? And then it yes. opened up. So the job caved because they were like, all right, we granted one guy the beard. So we have, how could we reasonably tell anyone else we can't, right? But now here we go to the vaccine mandate and they granted some reasonable accommodations, but they denied others like me. Why? Why? I think it's a great point. That's how a great point. wasn't that same logic used? You know, like why didn't they use that same logic for the vaccine mandate? And, and before you go, just let me, I, I just had to finish the thought because I, I, I didn't answer your question. So they're losing all these, they're losing all these court battles now, right? They're losing all these court battles and the time comes now for them to appeal. What is their appeal? What could they possibly, what could the argument possibly be when the only thing that Eric Adams ever, ever said for the reason for this vaccine mandate is, is, uh, this is New York City. We don't do we don't do what other cities do. We do what we do. They follow what we do. That was his only ability to articulate the need for a vaccine mandate. And that's, you know, that's documented on Fox 5, on ABC, whatever other shows he was on. He's never gave a, an, a clear explanation because he can't. He can't articulate it. Don't forget that the other thing is the Kane versus Keel case is in Supreme Court. And if they lose that, that's going to open up a huge a huge class action lawsuit for everybody who filed a religious exemption and was denied it. It's going to open up a huge one. So what happens right now if I go run and reapply and I, I waive, I waive my, my right to back pay and I waive my, uh, what would it, what was it? I waive my civil service rights, right? So I will not be eligible to enter them. So this is, to, to me, in my opinion, this is a strategic, political, coercive move. I couldn't agree with you more because, I mean, we can break this up into two parts here. So first, absolutely, he's potentially on the hook. He's being sued personally. But second, just as you said, if you're waiving your civil rights, so that just removes you from a potential class action lawsuit when that eventually comes along down the way, which it will and it should. The part that I don't understand is at this point, you said the word logic, which I agree. 
So we still don't know what is the logic. What was the basis? What was the criteria for decision-making? We have no idea. It's, that's, that's still a mystery. And that's what should come up in this court case. And they should ask Mike, well, what is your criteria? Show us. You have some type of bullet form. How does this break down? Why is John McCarry not religious enough, but someone else is? I mean, what if he, I'd like to know if someone was practicing that went to the same church as you, if they had the accommodation, you didn't. I mean, what did they go at different times than you? I mean, they went Saturday and you went Sunday. I mean, what's and, and do you actually need to go to church? No, you don't know. No, I mean, by law, you don't even need to belong to an organized religion. It just has to be a sincerely held religious belief. Well, and that's why it's a great comparison that you said that when it came to the beards. I have to be honest, especially I spent six years in the Marine Corps when I went to the police department. I was totally brainwashed that anytime I was in uniform, I would shave. But towards the end, once I saw that rules just went out the window in my last two years, I said, you know what, honestly... At this point, no one cares. Why should I, too? So I went on with the beard two in the last two years. But honestly, for me, it was more mockery than anything. But at the same time, I looked at pictures of myself sometimes like, damn, it, it really, honestly, I should, I should be shaved. It, it wasn't a good look. And I admit it. But I, I did it more out of mockery. And, you know, I, I was also full of piss and vinegar because at my last two years, I just had mounts and mounts of, of of charges and no one was in my defense. So I'm not making excuses, but I, I was full of piss and vinegar and, and, and you should be full of piss and vinegar right now too. And that's why I'm trying to say for the police officers out there right now, we need to band together, not just in death. We need to band together in life. Why is everyone not banding together and say, Hey, my fellow brothers and sisters were kicked out, forced to terminate, uh, forced to terminate themselves, for, make the decision. Should I quit? Should I retire? Should I invest? Why are we not standing and saying, I love my fellow brothers and sisters? Why do they have to reapply? Just take them back. They should get back pay. Absolutely, you should get back pay. But here's the problem now. So in the police department, for our, our viewers, if you're not uh, part of the NYPD, if you're a police officer in an outside agency, or if you're just not a cop, you have to fill out what's called an exit interview. So is that exit interview going to be heavily weighed part of this uh, reapplication? I mean, did you have to put vaccine mandate? What, what if you didn't put something that's applicable to that upon your, your, your retirement or vesting or quitting. Does, does that hold any weight? Do we know? I don't think it does here. I don't think it there because they're not saying it. They're just saying if you vested around that time, but it'll be up to the agency to take you back. I do believe the NYPD will be the most vindictive ones because, and I do believe the FDNY will be the easiest going. I think they'll take most people back. And that's because that is a brotherhood. And whether you're a male or a female, I think overwhelmingly the, the, the bosses do support the subordinates. I think overwhelmingly they try to stick together. I mean, we've seen the, we've seen the fire chief, the chief of department step down because he didn't like the things that the appointed six-year civilian commissioner who never wore a fireman outfit or went into a fire was doing to diversify the department and to weaken the ranks in the department and push together this agenda, this progressive agenda that wasn't in the best interest of the people of New York City and wasn't in the best interest of the fire department. And he felt it was doing weakening him. So he stepped down in solidarity. You'll never see that in the NYPD. Why? Because again, like I said, they're spineless. These chiefs are spineless. Great guy. Great guy. Guys, come over to my house. We'll have a barbecue. We'll drink coffee. We'll go out for drinks. 
Do I want do I want to go to battle with you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'll go to battle with the chief of department and the fly department. I'll jump in a radio call with him. I got to say the same thing. I don't know that chief, uh, but obviously we're all aware of the story. I got to say, I applaud him. Dude, thumbs up. If you have anyone in your family that's a cop or if you know someone, if you watch this podcast, I hope you do, we applaud you. This is something we've been asking from the executives of the NYPD for months now. Someone to stand up and stand for what they believe in, stand for their men and women. That is leadership. I don't have to know anything about his career to know that that chief exemplifies leadership because he took a stand on what he felt was right or wrong. And I was, you know, and I were talking offline today. One thing I learned in the Marine Corps, it's so important. There's an art to being a leader. And sometimes you're sandwiched for a leader. It means there's people on top of you, there's people below you. There's an art to managing the people below you, but there's also an art to managing the people above you. And obviously, he, he couldn't manage the people above him unless he met, he met some resistance. And he took a stand and said, I'm not allowing this. And that is complete brotherhood. I hope the fire department never loses it. My cousin's a fireman. I always applaud him. Outstanding job. I hope they continue that. I wish I could see that from the NYPD. But unfortunately, the executives in the NYPD are self-serving, weak leadership. They're cowards. And it's all about paving the way for their sons and daughters and about getting favors for their next career. It's all about themselves. And again, I say all the pitfalls of the job. I mean it. Every pitfall. Every. If anyone does not like what I'm saying, I don't care because it is the truth. Every pitfall in the NYPD comes down to leadership. Leadership is the most important thing in an organization. It's to make it or break it. If everything's going well, they'll get credit for it. And if everything is not going well, they will be part of that demise. And you and I talk about this all the time, and I mean it. When we say the job sucks and, and people say they hate the job, what you should be saying to yourself is you hate the people. And not all the people, the people that lead the job because they're not leading you in the right direction. Cops don't leave because they don't like doing police work because most of the cops that leave the NYPD go on to other law enforcement professions with other law enforcement agencies. So they love doing the job. They don't like the job. When we say the job, it's the leadership. The leadership is terrible. It's lacking. And they're pushing people out. And right now, they should be taking a stand saying that this vaccine violates their men and women, and they do not agree with it, and they should take a stand. Some of them should take a stand in retirement and say, you know what? If my men and women have to reapply, I'll retire, and I'll go through the same process and see how they treat me. But you will never see that. Never. No. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, another thing I keep hearing, I keep getting on social media is people that were coerced into taking the vaccine, and they took it. Listen, I think that it's a legal case, but you're already saying you need money. You're getting paid and you have a job. You should have stood in solidarity with us. You should have stood in solidarity with us. You're worried about getting paid. And 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 you know what? And fuck you to all the guys that took the vaccine and were looking for the $500 too. Because I heard that too. What about me? I got to take the $500. You're a jerk off. That's what about you. You shouldn't have got, you shouldn't have got anything. You should get exactly what you got. You got handed a fucking broken ass apartment. With no, with nothing left in it, with with no fucking real people fucking left in it, and you know, I, I feel bad for the guys that got coerced into it, and and I feel bad about the guys that got lied to and told it was whatever, and they and they went and they did it. I'm, I, but like, you're not worried about the guy that's terminated right now. You're not worried that this guy can't get a fucking job. This girl can't get a job. They lost a year's back. You're not worried about them. You're worried about what you're gonna get. I mean, come on, man. What, what kind of what kind of where a family is that? What kind of where of I'm saying right now, if anybody gets anything, it should be the terminated guys. 
I didn't, I didn't put it all on the line. I retired. I was like, you know what? You're going to back me into a wall. I'm going to keep my good name. I'm going to keep my 18 years. I'll get my pension when I get it and see, and you know, see you later. And I left and I, I didn't stand in solidarity with them. Maybe if I would have stood in them, it wouldn't have happened either, but look what happened. People like me and people like P.O. Cola who got terminated and the people in Bravest for Choice and the people in Teachers for Choice and the people in Educators for Freedom and all those people in sanitation that got fired and stood in solidarity. That's why we're here right now. Because all those people fought harder for your kids than you guys did. And you're going to come after worrying about what, what you got to get. I mean, that it, it's horrible to me. It's, it's, it's about as horrible as this document. You know, it's about as horrible as Ina Vernikoff claiming overall victory, the mandates are done, reapply. You know, and I was pretty pissed on social media that day. And I said a lot of volatile things. And I don't regret anything I said. And I had everyone telling me, oh, take your tweets down. They're crazy. Blah, 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 blah. And I get it. I get it. Everybody's worried. Everybody, everybody wants to see me do well. Nobody wants to see me get attacked. But I've been getting attacked for a fucking year. I've been getting called a psycho, vax, anti-vax nut. I've been getting called a white, uh, right-wing extremist, a white supremacist, everything else. I was canceled on everything. I continue to be silenced even as we speak. You know what I mean? And it's, I'm like, I didn't see anybody standing up for me when the weight of the world on me when my when my left eye was doing this the whole time and I had to make a decision of what I was going to do was I going to get fired was I invest what am I going to do how am I going to feed my family how am I going to feed my children what about the health benefits what about the pension what about all the money I lost what about all the shit I mean what about the way we were treated the whole time illegally illegally coerced and treated. No one's talking about it. And now because this decision came down and Eric Adams wants to just say, oh, yeah, you're good now. Reapply. Now it's safe to talk. And everybody has an opinion about what I got to say. I didn't hear you saying anything when I was talking shit a year ago. I didn't hear you say anything when I was talking shit six months ago. You know what I mean? And 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 I, I'm going to continue to say my truth and what I believe to be true. You know, and and I appreciate everybody looking out. I do. But, you know, again, I didn't adhere to your vice a year ago and I'm not going to adhere to your vice now. You know, this is this is a war. This is a battle. This is a battle of information. This is a battle of will. This is we the people versus tyranny. And for anyone to sit here and pretend that that is not it, you're a coward. You're willfully blind. You're a coward. You want to pretend you we're going to leave our children an America that's unrecognizable from the America that we were born into. And the only thing that we have to do about that is say no. And maybe it might cost you a little bit of money. Maybe it might cost you a few jobs. You know, everybody's worried about me getting canceled. I'm like, I'm canceled, bro. I'm canceled, bro. I don't have a paycheck. I don't have health benefits. I can't get a job in law enforcement. I'm blackballed. I can't get a job in law enforcement because of my advocacy for the police and because of my speaking out about New York City mayor's illegal acts. I'm blackballed. Because of my patriotism, I'm a blackballed. Because of my faith in God, I'm blackballed. So I'm not worried about it. 
Anybody's going to cancel me, cancel me. I, I, I actually, I've been laughing, and I don't mean to be laughing at you, but I'm laughing. Everything you said is really important. It's actually very serious. But I'm laughing because offline, before we started doing this podcast tonight, you told me that you told your wife you weren't going to curse, and you're about 15 fucks in. So. <laughs> I didn't even realize I it. I was doing good. <laughs> I, you were up to one point. As soon as one came off your tongue, it was just rolled up. <laughs> I didn't even know I cursed yet. So I'll see. That's yeah. uh, when we play it back, we can listen. Nah, but dude, you're 100% right. You know what? You know what made me feel better? I remember, I'll never forget this. To this day, I live by this. And I used to preach this to my cops. So if this guy ever remembers me, I stole it and I use it because it was so impactful to me. I remember when I was overseas in Iraq, I'll never forget this captain. He was a captain in the Marines. He said to me, kid, do it all. You know, they used to have, they used to, uh, you know, you would have an opportunity. Who wants to go? further north like there was further north be like going further into iraq and go to different spots and you know people raise their hands some people raise their hands you know some people don't want change you're comfortable at the spot you're at so i would always raise my hand like you know what fuck it like let me drive to the next spot let's go you know you live you live once so we said kid you're doing the right thing he used to always say when it's all said and done all you have in life kid he says you're gonna have no money left when when, when you're old man when you go in that box and right before you die you got nothing left. All you have left in your life is stories. What are going to be your stories? So I live by that. And I used to tell it to my cops. Go out there and do the job to the best of your ability. Go out there. Don't hide. Go do the best that you can be. Because when it's all said and done, all said and done, one day you're going to be an old man. You're going to have your grandkid sitting on your lap. They're not going to care how much money you have. They're just going to want to hear stories. What are going to be your stories? So that's the same thing I say now. And the path that we have now. Our story is going to be that we had a message to the public, to our cops. We're here to support you by telling the truth. So if they want to silence you, if they want to silence me, so be it. But they're going to have a lot of work to do it because we're not going to be afraid to speak the truth. If speaking the truth is a problem, well, you know what? Well, shame on you for the cowards out there. You and I heard it our whole careers. We always heard this famous line. We were just talking about it today. Ah, be careful. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. I'm tired of being careful. I want to be truthful. I had to be careful for uh, almost 20 years because that was my employer. Guess what? I don't have an employer anymore. My message and your message is to help the public by telling the truth. And what happened to you and happened to many men and women with this forced vaccine mandate is completely immoral. In 20 years from now, maybe even less, in 20 years from now, our kids are going to be asking us, maybe their kids, Wow, they really did that? That happened in America? It's going to be just like we learned when we were kids about how the Nazis treated the Jews in World War II. You're going to say, oh, my God, did that really happen? This is crazy. No way that happened in America. Yes, it did. It happened. And it happened to your grandfather. It happened to your father. It happened to your mother. It happened to your sister. It happened to your cousin. So let's not forget what's going on here because this is going to be in the history books. And this is going to be forever. What they did, this persecution, this forced mandate, and you call it medical rape? Exactly. Where you were forced to make a choice of something that you don't want for money. I mean, when we think about that, that's sick. What's the difference between that and prostitution? You're getting it Because it, it's all about money. Getting paid to do something for a specific amount. It's completely wrong. It's immoral. It's disgusting. It's despicable. And now the slap in the face is, well, okay, you can reapply. What do you mean reapply? If it wasn't for you, most of these people, including you, would probably still be there. 100%. Or at least if they weren't, 
You get to make that choice. You should make the choice when you want to leave. 100% I would be there. I, listen, right? I'm not even a lie. In the back of my head, I was hoping that they would approve me. Like, I was, I wanted to get approved. You know what I mean? And now, like, when I hear this, I'm like, oh, man, man, maybe I could get reinstated. Right. Reapply. Reapply and, and, at, and at the job's discretion, you know? And I'm like, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I believe me, I could use the money. I mean, I could definitely use the money. I'm, you know, I'm over a million dollars in debt. I mean, like, I could, you know, I could definitely use the money, you know? I mean, so there's always that in the back of my head, you know? It's not, it's not like this... It's like, oh, it's so easy to just be like, oh, yeah, forget about it. Like, I'm having fun what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm, I enjoy that I'm able to speak out and say what I need to say. But like, I'm really, I wanna, I wanna get into this article. Like, I wanna, I wanna get into what's coming out, and I wanna really fucking make a decision. So, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm gonna pull it up on my phone, but I, I think I have something here I could pull up. Area. This leaked out. Leaked documents details New York City's plan to reinstate workers fired and retired under vaccine mandate. Terminate employees who are rehired will be reinstated with no break in service. That is with their former seniority and salary. I mean, that's good. I mean, it's good. Sounds good. Reinstatement requires waiving back pay and civil service rights. What do you think about that statement, Eric? I got a problem with that one. Obviously, the first one, hey, that's great. You should exactly that. Get your job back and be exactly at the position that you're at, no break in service. If you had 19 years on a job and you got a year left of retirement, it's exactly where you should be at. But this one, I have a problem with. And you should too. Waiving your civil service rights for a potential lawsuit? Absolutely not. Just that, that right there alone should be unattractive for you to want to reapply back. It, that should be the antennas going up. So wait a minute. If it wasn't important, if they're not worried about a lawsuit, if they didn't violate anyone's rights or any acts, why would that be even listed? It's if, if they didn't believe you were entitled to backpack and they didn't believe that you were entitled to, to sums because of civil service law that was broken. They wouldn't ask you to do that. Why would I need to waive Absolutely. my right? I, and anytime I'll ever hear a waiver going forward, I'm going to have a big problem. Huge, huge problem. Because he has, he has one statement. I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to jump down. Former employees who resigned or retired and signed a waiver regarding their return are not eligible for reinstatement. So I'm going to tell you what that is. They said you could be put on leave without pay. You'll sign this waiver and we'll give you health benefits for six months. So they coerced those people into taking health benefits for six months. And now they're saying, well, because you did that, you're not eligible. Why? Because we have our legal, we have our legal binding thing that we sign that's going to layer us from protection for the illegality that we did. You agreed to it. You signed right here. Now I'm going to say you were still coerced into doing that. You were under mental duress. You did it under duress. You did it under stress. You weren't given the proper amount of time 
all of the things they did violated so many laws in this country and in this nation and, and in labor. And, and, and at the end of the day, will this be an egregious attack on the United States Constitution? 100% will be the biggest one that New York City ever did. But this will be the biggest labor movement in New York City history ever, ever. What happens from here on out sets precedent. It sets precedent. Can, can New York City city employee just violate every part of your contract and ignore it? Because that's exactly what they did during the, the you know, you know, I love the famous line. They can't do that. They can't do that. I'm like, yeah, they can't tell you to fucking stick a needle in your arm either. And they can't tell you to they can't tell you to make a decision in seven days, not even seven business days, because that's another thing that's illegal. They can't just get, say, oh, yeah, we, we, it was arbitrary thing. And oh, yeah, you're going to make a decision. And oh, yeah. And they can't just arbitrarily pick who they're going to give exemptions to and who they're not. But they did it. Right. They did it. So wait, let me let me get this straight, because I, this part I didn't know. So. If you were put on leave without pay, are you saying you had the option to sign this you or this was automatic? Sign this waiver. It really it went with the teachers first. They okay. had an option to sign this waiver. And, and, and I don't know if the teachers did or didn't. I think some did. And they, and they boxed themselves in and then they winded up coming back and taking the shot and going back to work. Um, you know, one of them, uh, Jeremy uh, Gopel, I believe is his last name is, you know, he, that's what he winded up doing. And he's still an anti-mandate. He's still an advocate. You know, he's still out there talking because he knows it's wrong. He's like, listen, he went to the last day, you know, he signed that thing. He realized he boxed himself in and he was like, all right, I'm, I got to take the shot now. You know, he's like, but I'm never going to stop talking about it. So, but that's what that is. They said, oh, we'll give you, we'll give you health care for six months. If you sign this waiver." that, that is, and and they gave you like a year to take the shot. And if you didn't take the shot within that year, you were terminated, you know, or nine months or whatever they gave them. But now because they signed that waiver, they're not they're ineligible for reinstatement. So, John, clearly back then, right? It's early. This this vaccine mandate came in November of 2021. 20, so we know at that time, as, as early as December, people were being forced out, right? Yeah. So they knew. A year and two months ago, 14 months ago, they knew that that was already going to be an issue, that there would be potential lawsuits down the road. Otherwise, they would never asked it. 100%. And, you know, I've said it before. This was a financial decision because New York City's collapsing. And this is a layoff without calling it a layoff. And I just spoke to one of my friends. And, and his words to me were, this smells like a layoff. <laughs> You know, and I said, yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm like, look at this. We get a year off, a year of a year of not paying all of these people, right? Not putting any money into their pension. Their pensions aren't accruing. And then, oh, we'll just hire them back now. What they do in the 70s when they laid all those people off? They hired them back, right? A hundred percent, yes. They hired them back. But they didn't, you know, but what what happened with these people? They weren't even eligible for unemployment. You couldn't even get unemployment. You were treated like a – you could have raped somebody. You could have raped someone and got fired and you would have got unemployment. You could have smoked crack in the locker room and you would have got unemployment. You could have shot someone because they slept with your girlfriend or you just didn't like them and you would have got unemployment. But because you said, no, I'm adhering to my religious beliefs, no unemployment for you. That's what New York City did. That's what New York State did. 
I mean, and now they're trying to backpedal and walk away from it. I mean, I think I honestly, this smells of arrogance and coercion even further. Like the arrogance of Eric Adams and New York City is disgusting to me. It, it really, it really is. So then the question is this, why did the unions at that point not take a stand? Especially, I'm sure that they had some info, inside information, especially to some information as this. They had to. They, and they had to know that eventually this, this was going to be an issue for their members, whether they could sue or not. But yet they didn't take a stand. And they said this was more like a personal fight. This is not a personal fight. It's a fight for the whole department. This is, this is a labor law fight. Yeah, they, 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 Lou Turco tried to say it was personal. It was a personal fight. This is a personal thing. Hey, this ain't personal. What's personal to me is that why is every union president, every board member boosted, uh, vaccinated and boosted? Nobody, nobody saw an issue with any of this. Nobody's seen any illegality. Everybody just had <laughs> Everybody had this. Like, no, you couldn't see it, Lou? What's the matter? You couldn't see it? No. You know, the lawyer, the lawyer didn't think it, the lawyer didn't think it violated OEO law either. Maybe he spoke to his lawyer. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't think it is? Oh, well, he's got a better lawyer then because it, it definitely it definitely violates the law because, I mean, this it's it was, it was always egregious. It never made sense. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really focusing on the religious and, and we'll continue on the religious. But just on a side note, I also filed a, a, a medical because my antibodies were through the roof. And I said, I don't understand. I said, I... You're telling me I need to take the vaccine because I need to get antibodies, correct? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, but I have antibodies. And they're like, yeah, but we don't know how long those are going to last. I was like, how long do they last for the vaccine? Oh, we don't know. <laughs> then why do I need more of them? I was like, and then I kept asking, how many do I need? And I sent it to COVID-19 questions in the NYPD. How many antibodies do I need? How long do they last? All the, all the antibodies I have currently, acceptable. How many more do I need? How long will mine last? How come the antibodies I have are not good, but the ones that the vaccine gave me are, are the best ones? No one can answer me. You know, I got a, I got a call back from, uh, I got an email back from Strategic Initiatives, a civilian and strategic initiative, not even the medical division. Um, and she said, uh, you have seven days to take the shot if you're terminated, unless you apply for the mm. exemption. Just like that? Just like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was nice. It was... It wasn't coercive at all, you know. It just amazes me. So here you are, 18 years on the New York City Police Department. You're a lieutenant. And now you're, you're, you're met with making a decision for seven days. You have seven days to make, I would say, probably the biggest decision of your life. Seven days. Biggest decision of my life. Um... I submitted the religious exemption right away. Uh, I mean, I knew it was coming, so I had my religious exemption ready. You know, I know people were afraid to put religious exemption in because they were worried about getting transferred and all that other stuff. And I know that happened in agencies, and I know people that did that. I said, but I'm not, I was like, I'm not worried. I'm just going to put it in. It is what it is. And then, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people in the police department, I was there for 18 years, and I was basically, I basically spoke to a bunch of lawyers who laughed in my face that weren't not OEO lawyers and basically said they're getting overtime to deny religious exemptions. Um, and then I had the word that my religious exemption was denied. 
was not going to be approved. And what I was getting from the LBA at that time is I would be put on leave without pay while I appealed. So I, I, I felt no reason to stay around. I rushed. I went down to, I went through the retirement process. I, I did, uh, I, I opted for a vested retirement. I got the appeal. I got the denial days later. I appealed right then and there. Apparently at some point during my appeal, I said, I'm no longer going to be on the police department. I'm running my time. Um, I'm running my time. Please contact me personally. Here's my personal email. Here's my cell phone. Um, but I submitted the appeal the way they told me to submit the appeal. I had to come in. I came to work. I did the thing. I put the appeal in. And, um, and then uh, apparently the, the NYPD changed the appeal process. So they threw my appeal in the garbage and said I never appealed. Um, crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but I don't find this out until last month. That. Yeah. Uh, so there's reason. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They said I never appealed. I, 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 you know, I submitted a complaint with uh, New York state division of human rights, New York state division of human rights came back. And this is as I'm running my time. Cause I'm trying to get back. So I, I, you know, I said, I want to be reinstated. I want to be reinstated and I want my, uh, my appeal decision to be overturned or I want to be receive my full 20 year pension and pension credit. And I want, I want pay for my pain and suffering because this is illegal. And uh, New York, uh, NYPD submitted back to me that my religious, now they gave me reasons. Now they said that my religious exemption was denied, totally different from the first, the first uh, denial they got me. They, now they send a second one to, uh, to the New York State Division of Human Rights. And they said that I, they said that my, my vaccine, my, my, my reasonable accommodation request was rooted in vaccine misinformation. I never said one thing about the vaccine. I didn't say one thing other than I can't take it. I cannot violate my conscience. Uh, I, 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 I reached into two, two quotes in the Bible where Jesus two times says, those are who sick, those are who, who are sick are in need of a doctor and those are who not do not. And I, I reached into those quotes. I reached into that anything done in violation of my conscience is damnation, both here on earth and, and in the afterlife. So it would violate my conscience to do something that I know does not work because I see it with my own eyes. So they say that my, my request is rooted in vaccine misinformation. They say I have no history of, I have no history of refusing medications. And I would, I mean, why would I ever have a history of refusing medication? Who the hell would have a history of that? I mean, and even if I didn't, and I was a pro pro vaccine guy last week, I could change my gender and my species in a moment's notice, but I can't decide if I never want to take medicine again. So that whole argument is ridiculous. And then the last thing they said was, um, I forget what the last thing they said, but it was, it was ridiculous. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. New York yeah. state division of human rights never contacts me. They send me that letter. I send a whole rebuttal. I destroy their whole argument and New York state division of human rights sends back to me. Um, the NYPD didn't discriminate against you because they, they, ex they had accepted others. That was their final disposition. <laughs> Which makes no sense. It really does. The disposition was 
they 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 spelled out discrimination again. You know, they spelled it out again for me. So let's let's talk about the problem going forward, which I think is the biggest problem. So if you're if you you are in that pivotal position now and you're trying to make that decision if you should go back, you have one year to go back. That's what it said in that document, right? And that's what they're saying. Now, is it one year to apply? Do you have? Is it one year that you have to get all this paperwork done? Because this process is not a one-day process. This process could take two weeks. It could take a couple months. I, I that mean, is up in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I have 16 days. I don't think that I could get the process done in 16 days. I, they tell you three months, right? They tell you you got to reapply within three months normally, right? Yes. So, so now they're saying, oh, you got to get it in within a year. I, I mean, you got to get it. You got to reapply, though, and follow normal rehire procedure this thing's unprecedented what's the normal rehire procedure when you were terminated <laughs> Does yeah, term well, come off your record well i mean ultimately you and i spoke offline about this and i think the biggest hurdle is going to be this i don't think this is a victory i think you should get your job right back but i can't tell people how to live if this was your lifelong dream or you're backed into a corner and you need money and you're and this is your go-to, and you're going to reapply. I'm not going to fault those people. Listen, you. some people, they may have to. They may be put in that position. But I think that they put themselves in a position that they probably will not get the job back because they still have to go through a psych. And you and I spoke about this. You made a fantastic point. That may be a psych issue, and a question is going to come up. Why did you not take the vaccine? Why did you disobey this mandate? I mean, why not? It's healthy, right? It's supposed to be. Aren't you concerned with making sure that everyone's healthy? But it was all about you. I mean, this can be spinned in any manner. And, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies that retired. I hope he's listening. Uh, and he just said he was curious about a, a police department retiring. The site was 40 pages. I mean, who wants to go through that? You've went through this background process before you should not have to do it again you were put into a position to to leave and here you are you're going to go through this whole process and during this time especially you john you and i were very adamant we're very vocal about what's going on our social media would have to be scrubbed and they would not agree with what we have i mean i would never go back to the police department ever but if you decided that you wanted to go back they go to scrub your social media and say wait a minute there's a little bit too much free speech going on here. You're not getting a job back anyway. A hundred percent. This guy wasn't careful. He wasn't careful. careful. He wasn't careful, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I, I totally agree. It's, it's, I, 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 you know, I agree with you. Like, I don't want to tell anyone what to do. If you're in a bad way and you want to get back on the job, get back on the job. If you didn't have a lot of time on the job, get back on the job, you know, um, but I do think this is a trap. I do. I do. My personal yeah. opinion is this. I'm not telling you what to do and I don't judge anybody for doing anything. You know, I'd be more than happy to see you guys get back and have healthy, productive, safe, successful careers. I, I really would. I, we, we do need good people in New York city. I do not want New York city to fail. You know, um, I, I want good things for New York city. I want good things for the police department. I want good things for the community. I want good, I want good things for all the good people that live there. I do. But for me personally, I feel like this is a trap. Like, like here's another one. Former employees who retired or resigned around the time of the mandate went into effect 
are eligible for reinstatement with some exceptions. <laughs> what are those exceptions? What are those exceptions? Again, arbitrary and capricious. So not only are you telling me to reapply, you're telling me that you're going to pick and choose who you're going to take. Are you going to take a tier two lieutenant who, if I come back, you're going to have to pay me out $2 million? Is there going to be a, a financial breakdown on it? Because like I said a while back, I said that I find it very funny that a lot of the tier three guys got, got, got their exemptions approved and a lot of the tier two guys didn't. You know, I found it very, very, I found it very curious how that happened. You know, does this mean that I can reapply? I mean, because yeah. I didn't leave because of the mandate. Does this yeah. mean I can reapply? Absolutely. It says around the time of the mandate. So, yeah, you were there while the mandate was there. You, you retired. I, I should have a shit to giggles, but I would never, I'm telling you right now, that the NYPD, you're going to be sorry one day that people like John and myself left because you need good people. But I would never return. And when I say something, I mean it. Absolutely not. They didn't stand for me. They didn't back me up against an independent watchdog. When I was out there getting firearms with the best men and women doing special operations, I would not go back. Absolutely not. I have my principles. I, I would not. Honestly, if I was starving, I would find a way to get money for me and my family, but it would be another way. Not through the New York City Police Department. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather go to jail for six months, honestly. <laughs> listen, I would go back to get my full pension and to get the money that's owed to me and the stuff I work for. I would. I would go back. I, I mean, city of New York right now, I'm just going to say right now in the one year I was gone, they owe me about $350,000. Um, the following year, they'll owe me, it'll be up to $500,000. In retirement, we'll keep adding that on because, you know, you could you could add on about $3,000 a month, a little bit over $3,000 with the variable. So you could add $3,000 a month onto that variable supplement. So like $30,000 a year on top of that $500,000. Do that over 10 years. They owe me a lot of money, you know. 100%, yes. So I would go back. Do I believe in the mission of the police department? No, I don't. Personal financial decision, I would go back. Um, I would not stay long. I'm not going to lie. I want what's owed to me. I, w I don't think I would stay long. I, I agree, but I, I think that you can, when it comes to money, you know, I was talking, I talk to cops every day, opinions, advice they call me for, and some of them just say, hey, love the podcast, and just great conversations about police work. And, and well, I remember I was, I was talking to one of the cops, it was today or yesterday. And we're talking about the pitfalls of the job. And, and this one particular cop that I was talking to, he's actually very talented. He's a warrior. He should be a cop. He's a guy that you want in the street. Uh, but he's at a point right now where he knows it's best. He's trying to find a spot where he can do some admin work because he knows it's unappreciated. And he's in a position where he's going to accumulate civilian complaints and he's not going to have a career. But he's looking to seek out to leave after 10 years and move on to something else. And you know what I told him? I said, when I got on the job, and John, you probably feel the same way. It honestly, there was no concern about money because at the time, at the time, I had numerous options, other avenues to make a substantially amount, a substantially higher salary, and probably for less work and less stressful. But 
at that point, like I said, I, I, I had already served in the Marines. I talked about this on my podcast, and I had an opportunity to go to the New York City Police Department. I started to saw, see the glam with it and why I could really do something. But And then I saw that the job was awesome. Back then, when I got on and you got on, the job was awesome. It was fun. I mean, I used to joke around with my partner and said, hey, if we just drove around the radio car and don't return, will they ever call us in? We enjoyed. We loved the job. It wasn't about money. It was a fun job. It felt more like a family. I mean, we, we broke each other's balls. We had a good time. It was fun. It's not fun anymore. I didn't even, I have to be honest, I didn't even know what my salary was when I got on the job. I had no idea until I saw my paycheck. I mean, it, it sucks, but I loved it. I had fun. But now, I wouldn't take the job because there's all these other pitfalls that now you actually look to see your salary. Because back then, you didn't care. You had so much fun. The brotherhood was great. What you were doing. You were proud to put that uniform on. You couldn't get wait to get to work. At least I couldn't. I didn't even want to take my days off because I didn't want to miss the saga. I didn't want to miss the fun. I mean, it was just, it was a great time. Those were the great memories I had. I had a better time as a cop than I did as a lieutenant because this is when all the legislation changed. I really enjoyed it. I didn't care about the money. I literally had no idea what I made. I didn't even know. I, I, I lived in a sweat. This is a joke. But it was worth it because it was so much fun. I didn't care. All right. So, I'm, you know. It's going to take me a while to get a, get a house I want, but oh well, I'm enjoying it. But now, I mean, we talk about financial reasons. Man, there's a lot of other, other things in life we could do for, uh, for financial benefit. And that's why I say to the cops now, that's why the contract is a big deal now. Because they don't have the fun to look forward to. They have forced overtime. They're treated like shit. I mean, they really don't matter. They're boxed in. And it's come to a point where you don't even have your your, your freedom of speech or, or or freedom of choice. You're taking a shot that you don't want to take. They're backed into a corner. This is this is the this is America. This is the New York City Police Department. This is terrible, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, the second. They're not even second class citizens. They're third class citizens. You know, you don't you don't have the same rights as people. You know, I mean, I don't. No, nobody's gonna sit there and know what it feels like when you're actually sick and you have to go to the doctor. And you can't get the medical division on the phone because they're fucking drinking coffee. And you're like, fuck, I got to go to the doctor. I'm going to miss the appointment. You know, I got to go to the I got to go to the store to get medicine because I fucking can't breathe or whatever the hell it is. And you're worried about fucking the inspections unit sitting outside your house and getting you because you left your residence while you're sick. When you were going to the doctor and going to get medicine, you weren't out gallivanting and you look like shit. and You feel like shit. But that's things that go on in New York City cops head. Like they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? But, 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 you know, I would always tell them when I was a boss, I said, hey, listen, just call me. I'll put you in the book. You couldn't get in touch with the medical division. I said, make sure you call the medical division. I want to see it in your phone and I'll put you in the book and go or I'll fucking oh, I'll just have it in my phone. If anybody asks, have them call me. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. You know, um, but this is this is a reality for New York City uh, cops. You know, I mean, and we, we talked about this before. Guys go to work on their deathbeds because they're like, I, I, I can't go sick. I can't go sick. If I go sick, what's going to happen to me if I go sick, Eric? Oh, the best men and women on the police department suffer the most. You and I talked about this. The men and women that work for me, they were in special operations. They were the best the job has to offer. These guys came to work with bum legs. They came to work. Their back was pulled out. They came to work sick, diarrhea, vomiting, you name it. They were sick. They came to work because they wanted to move on with their careers. They didn't have any nepotism. They didn't have the opportunities. I mean, I've had plen plenty of guys that worked for me that got involved in shootings, and they did a phenomenal job, took the person in custody, 
without even causing any injury. And those guys didn't move on in their careers. And those guys were afraid to go sick because they wanted to move on in their careers. Because if you go sick, and that was questionable, is this this person flaky? They're taking advantage. I mean, they say that we have unlimited sick. That's the biggest lie that there is. It's such a a farce. We have unlimited sick on paper. But if anybody knows, if you actually take advantage of the unlimited sick, you're not moving on in your career, unless you're Richard Shea. It, It was the guys that didn't care. Those guys are the ones that did well with the job when it came to unlimited sick. If they didn't care, if they didn't have aspirations on the job, you could be unlimited sick. That's fine. But if you have aspirations on the job, oh, then it starts to get questioned. Well, well, you were sick twice last year. What happened? Well, you know what? Things happened. You're working in New York City. You're working a, a, a strenuous job. You're getting older. And now you, you, you start to gather injuries from doing your job. It happens. People need to go sick. And sometimes it's beneficial. Let this person take a timeout, a break, and come back even stronger. But they don't look at it like that. They just burnt the candle at both ends. Yeah, and I, and I got one better for you. Half the, th- half the guys wouldn't even go sick if they could get the day off approved. Oh, I got to get my tooth pulled. Oh, I got to die. My, my, my teeth are killing me. I got to get my wisdom teeth removed. I get two days off. They can't get two days off, so they have, they, they have to go sick. They have no choice. That's true. You know what I mean? Like You're like, oh, I never went sick on this job. I'm like, you know, you must have always had a good boss where you could take off. Don't tell me you've never been sick, you know, because I'm not buying that shit. You just use your own time, and I, I would have did it too. You know, I, I remember when I had fucking food poison and I couldn't get off. I got food poison. You, uh, you got to come in. I'm like, I can't. I'm like, I'm fucking throwing up. Like, I can't. I can't get. I'm, I'm downing water. I'm in, on the toilet bowl, downing water, hoping that I can throw up enough to get myself normal so I could get to work. And I'm like, is this normal? I'm like, I can't do it. And then by the time I was done throwing up, I was so weak. I couldn't keep my eyes open. And uh, I, I was like, I had to go sick. I had to go sick for one day. And I had to go to left rack because I think I happened on a Friday. So I had to go to left rack. And the guy's like, oh, what's the matter? And I still felt like shit. I almost threw up in fucking left rack because it was hot as hell in there. There's a million fucking people in there. And uh, it was fucking disgusting. And uh, what did he say? He's like, ah, it's only 48 hours. You'll be fine tomorrow. Put me right back to, to the thing. And then I'm like, you know what? How does he know that I even have food poisoning? Maybe I, maybe I have a fucking, maybe my blood, I have a blood infection. I'm like, I'm just telling him I think I have food poisoning. I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing up like crazy. I can't stop. I'm like, I actually threw up outside. You know, like, and he's like, oh, yeah, food poisoning. You're done in 48 hours. And then I'm like, how the hell did that guy even know what I have? I don't even know what I have. And that's why I started thinking, I'm like, how do I even know I have food poisoning? And then I throw up again when I'm outside. And I'm like, you know, and then I'm like, I, I, I'll never forget that because I was like, wow. I was like, even, even when you don't do anything wrong and you don't go sick often and you never encountered these guys, they're just rushing to get you back to work. I swear to God, I think that if you went into the, into the district surgeon's office and you had an IV bag and you were like, yeah, no, nah, I'm good, bro. They would be like, all right, yeah, yeah, good, good. Get back to work. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. is true. I, listen, I only went sick twice in my year, twice in my career, and that was because I needed surgery. So, like I said, I talked about this in the podcast. I look back; I think I was a total sucker uh, because I, I had a good work work ethic. But I went to work numerous times with injuries, pain. I remember, uh, I don't know why, habitually I was getting my back was was knocking out on me, and it was a couple times I came to work and I was literally peeling myself out of car. And I just drive around with this this sergeant, uh, cool guy, man. He used to make me laugh. He used to have a good time. And I one day I was getting out of the car and I was peeling myself and he was just laughing at me. And 
He was like a big fitness guy. And I was like, dude, you got to help me out, bro. You got to like fix my back. So like, he was like stepping on me and trying to fix my back. But, and he was like, what's wrong with you? Like, why did you stay home? I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I should come to work. You know, I mean, we don't stay home and the guys need me. And uh, I, I, you know, and it made, I didn't want to sit, sit home all day. And also I didn't want to have blemishes on my record. I wanted to have a clean record. I mean, but it was stupid. I should have put myself first. But I do remember. And these guys were like veterinarians. Shame on these doctors. I was young in my career. And the twice, the two times I went out sick was for foot surgery. So I had foot problems from serving in the Marine Corps when I was overseas. So I had foot surgery. My foot was all bandaged up. It was really new. It was like maybe two days old. I mean, it was a bloody mess. And I went into the surgeon's office, the doctor from the NYPD. I'll never forget. And he's like, all right, well, let me see. Let me take a look. I'm like, what? I'm like, this thing is really bandaged up. It's it's in bad shape. And if I take this bandage up, I don't know how to get it back on. Well, he made me take it off. And like an idiot, I mean, it was a young kid. I didn't know. If it was now, I'd be like, listen, I'm not taking the bandage. I wouldn't take it off. If it was now, I'm like, I don't know. I don't refuse orders, but I'm not taking this off. But I was young back then. They told me to take it off. I took it off. My foot was a disaster. It's like, all right. All right, fine. Come back in a week. But I had to take this thing off. It was so, there was no compassion. There was no consideration. There was no empathy. And I remember sitting there just trying to figure out how to get this thing back on. I had to go back to the doctor and have it fixed. It was a, it was a bloody mess. But I was legit. I had surgery. I wasn't scamming. But I guess I was paying for the other scammers. I don't know. Yeah, you were paying for the other scammers. And, and it's funny. Like, all this shit I hear about the surgeons. I know the guys on Staten Island are nice guys, you know. I, I heard a lot of that about that. Not so much the orthopedic on Staten Island. I never dealt with it. I just heard horror stories. I've heard bad things, dude. Yeah. Honestly. You know, I, I, I never dealt with her. I don't know, you know. But uh, but I heard horror stories. So, you know, when you hear it over and over again, I mean, it's got to be some truth to it, you know. And uh, But the day when, right before the mandates, they were all in one PP outside of the auditorium, smiling, shaking all the cops' hands as they were as they were – worse than all of them to take this vaccine and i was like wow i'm like these guys are disgusting <laughs> I was, i'll never forget it. i was like wow these guys are really spineless you know they walk around with that shield they love having that rank all that i'm like these people are disgusting you know and it's, it's things like that that i'm like i don't miss at all you know it's things like that that i don't miss um it's the bullshit that comes down that, you know, it's coming down from the top. I mean, you know, and even Key Chan Sewell, man, like I'm like, I, I listen to her speak. It's the same tone. It's the same words. It is the most not genuine stuff I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, you might as well just put throw a hologram up and, and hit the tape record. Oh, prayers, awful. Here we are again. Blah, 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 blah. Same thing with Pat Lynch, you know, and everybody was knocking me because I put the video. Listen, the guy said the right thing. He said the right thing. He never does the right thing. Am I a fan of him? No. And I'm not a fan of anybody right now. I'm really not. I'm not. I'm not a fan of anything that's going on now. And look at this shit. Where are they? Where are they? The DEA put out the message. Let's see what the PBA says. The LBA will pretend this is a personal issue and they don't know. Lou Turco is just being careful. Everybody's being careful, you know. Um, well, you know, we're going to be careful until there is no more NYPD. You know what I mean? That's, that's, how, that's how careful we're going to be. None of us are going to have pensions. 
There's gonna be none of us are gonna have healthcare. We're gonna be careful until until New York City is one big hellhole, you know. And it's uh, it's disgusting, dude. It really is. It sure is. You know, and you know, it's funny because we talk about this stuff, right? We talk about the job, and you and I were talking about this early offline, and I really believe this. Uh, the issues with the job, it's about leadership, 100%. And I asked you earlier today, like, is there anyone on the job right now that is in leadership that you look up to and say, hey, if I was going to mirror myself uh, moving up to the ranks or in, just in life, is there anyone I would want to emulate as a leader? And you said no. And I said the same thing. But and that's why we say the job sucks. When, I'm, when people say, ah, the job sucks, you know. And they're afraid to say it. They say it in the locker room. They say it to us, but they won't say it out loud. We say it for them. But when we say the job sucks, what we mean is the people suck. The leadership sucked. But I remember when we first got on the job, there were people on the job that I looked up to. I said, you know what? I want to be like that. There were captains. There were lieutenants. There were sergeants. Even sergeants back then. I, they're the sergeants back then, they were tough. You looked up to them. Like I wanted to be... Just like them, like you know what? They were they were leaders. They stood their ground, you had respect for them. We don't see that anymore. There were cops that I respected too. Yes. And I to be yes. A hundred percent right. They took leadership roles. You know what? I remember in, in the 120 precinct when we first got there, and our lieutenant, he was a cop. I remember we had to make an arrest. He went out there with us, he made the arrest with us. The guy was fighting, he was in there with us. He was a leader. I said I looked up to that guy. I'm not saying he did everything right, but he exemplified as a leader. But now there's no one in that role. There's no one that you can look up to and say, hey, that's who I want to be, and that's a leader. And that's why we love the job, because we love the people. It was the leadership. The job is people. The profession, I would say, the profession is police work, yes. But the job, when we say, hey, you're on the job, you're on the job, that word that we say to people, that means are you with the people? These are the these are the warriors, the people that represent police work, the ones that go out there, do the real job. That's what we talk about people. But now I don't think that holds the same weight when people say, hey, you want the job? I mean, when I hear that, I'm like, what job? You got the same patch, but I ain't the same job. Because that job they do now, it's not the same. There's no brotherhood there. And this vaccine clearly exemplifies it. When it was forced and now that it's 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 lifted, and people have a t an opportunity to go back. No one's saying anything. I mean, the unions are putting out memos, basically a, a big stroke job saying, hey, oh, you can reapply, you know, make it like it's a great thing. It's not a great thing. Why are we not reading the underlining tones? Why are we not reading in depth and reading exactly the way you did, John, and say, wait a minute, you have to forfeit your civil rights to this? Why are the unions not stopping? Er, pump the brakes and wait a minute. My members can reapply? But then now they're forfeiting their rights to, for a potential lawsuit that comes up later on. They should have a problem with that. That should imme immediately, those documents should be brought to their attorneys and looked over with a fine-tooth comb and represent their members. That's what they get paid in the PBA, $1.6 a month. SBA, plenty of money, and so is the LBA. Where is this money going? Where? Well, and let's talk about proper representation, right? Let's talk about proper representation. Please. If I'm a union president, and 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 Eric Adams does this right now, he drops the mandate. This exact thing, he puts this piece of paper out. I'm going to say I'm instructing all my members that we are seeking full reinstatement with back pay into their prior assignments. 
we do not accept. And if and if and if that's not the case, you clearly are saying that these mandates were illegal and not rooted and unnecessary, and you force people out. Let's say the mistake we made. Reinstate these people, no harm, no foul, and see you later. Because the other thing is that I keep saying too, and like when my when my when I was talking to my friend earlier, and he said this smells like a layoff. I said, it does. I said, but think about how incompetent Eric Adams in New York City is. Think about how incompetent they are. Because I guarantee when we look at how much money we spent to implement all this stuff, implement and track all of this testing and all this other stuff, and all the money we spent in lawsuits and, and the appeals process and the fighting this, I guarantee he spent more money than he saved from 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 destroying people's lives. And now he's still looking, he's still looking to destroy lives because he just won't make people whole. People should be made whole. And I got news for you, PBA, SBA, LBA, CEA. I don't know if there's any of you guys. I don't know. I, I swear, I think they pull your man card and, and chop your nuts off. I know there's one inspector, she's a female. Shout out to her. I'm not gonna say a name. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. She bounced. She said, I'm not doing this. She spoke out at a bunch of meetings. Big shout out to her. She's no longer on the job. She was a leader. Everybody respected her. Everybody looked up to her. She's no longer on the job. But the rest of you guys, I don't know, man. You know, nobody said nothing. So I don't know if the CEA is involved in this at all. I don't know that other than for that inspector, for that one inspector. But even that, right? Only one life. Even for her. What's the CEA doing for her? You know, Um she should be reinstated too, back pay, full pay, and then be given the decision. Listen, we're going to make you whole. Are you coming back? Right? <laughs> Absolutely. You should be made whole anyway. You should be made whole anyway because there are people that don't want to come back. There are people who are victimized. And this is, this is re-victimizing the victim. And all unions aren't doing that. So I got news for you guys. You're next. When all this legislation is done, the lawsuits are coming for you next. And, and it's clearly documented the failure to represent the members. The only one that might have a leg to stand on is Pat Lynch. But I'll even say he had an obligation to file Article 78 for his members. And he didn't. And he didn't use that money. Instead, he, did, he gave 50000 to Kathy Hochul. So I'm going to tell you right now, you guys are on the hook. You guys <laughs> failure to represent. This is something that will be brought up at a later date. Right now, I I I I will say, Eric, this is not a, a victory. It's a step. It's a step in the right direction. They're backpedaling now. They're backpedaling now, and while they backpedal, they're they're trying to layer themselves. Yeah. Here, take this. Take this. Take that. I agree. It's a. I agree. They're putting out layers of protection. So. If you're at that point that you're going to reapply, you have to read the fine line. The fine print says, hey, welcome. Reapply. You have the opportunity. But forfeit these rights for a potential lawsuit. Forfeit back pay. Forfeit this. I don't know what else they do that may be in there that they have to read. I don't know. If you had medical during that time, are you going to have to give that money back? I mean, that, that's is that on the table? Think about that. If you got medical for those six months when you were on leave without pay, if you come back, do you have to give that money back for the medical that you had? I don't know. It's very ambiguous. This is up in the air. 
And, and nobody's paying my medical bills that I've been paying. I've been paying $1,500 a month for medical. For my, me and my well, that's what I'm saying. I that's would, another You know, who, who, nobody's, nobody's making good for that. If you never left, if you never left the police department because this forced vaccine mandate, you wouldn't be paying for medical now. You wouldn't be paying for moving expenses. You'd have your pay. You'd have your overtime. You would have, you wouldn't have the mental stress that you had to endure. No, yeah, my blood pressure, my physical health, my mental health was it was in the garbage, and and it wasn't just me. You know, it was, it was so many people. Well, you know what? Kudos to this inspector that stood up. But you know what? That's why she's not. He or she, I think he said it was a she, is not on the job anymore because she didn't fall in line with these other cowards. Because where are these cowards that are inspectors or chiefs? Why did they stand by her and say, hey, there's a fellow executive that has potential to be a chief on this job and is being pushed out for a, a, a mandate? What's going on here? We ban with her. Because, I mean, how many, uh, if we actually had to count, how many, how many people actually outrank her on the job? That many? Not how many. many people total? 50 the most? Maybe, yeah, the most. The most. If that, so where are those 50 people? Where are they? 50 people couldn't band together and say, hey, we have an inspector, a potential chief on our job. No, you know, what that, take it or you're going to lose your command. Yeah. Take it or you're going to lose your command. That's what they were telling her. Take, take it, well. Take it or you're going to lose your command. So she said, all right, I'll lose my command. I'm retired. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. I would. I, if she's listening, I'd love to have you on the podcast, memorialize your career, and talk about the courage that you had and how you stood up for something that you believe in. I don't even know you, but that's a leader, and that's why you're not on the job anymore. I would love to have worked for you. Maybe I do know you. I don't, I don't know. I mean, i got to find out who you are. But if you're listening, please contact us. Come on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, no, it's – uh. It, dude, it's it's it really it just it just it just irks me, man. It really does. And the other thing that bothers me, and you know, I don't want to blow nobody up, and you know, and now that it's in the past, nobody's looking at this anyway. But I mean, let let's get real. How many people really took that vaccine, as opposed to the people that put the vaccine cards in? How many people really took that vaccine? I'm gonna say the overwhelming majority did it. The overwhelming majority of the police department did not take that vaccine. They just have cards. I have no problem blowing them up because when you had to leave the job, where were they? Who dipped in their pocket to help you out? No one. No one. And that's what it comes down to. You have to feed a family. You have to make sure that you have medical. All these things. Where were the unions to dip their money in their pocket and say, you know what? Let's raise money for our members that are on their way out. They're going to have a rough year. Let's get let's get them severance pay that they were good on their feet. No, nothing. No, the union did absolutely nothing. They're like, ah, you seem like you got you got a good head on your shoulders. You'll be all right. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. But still, today, there's nothing going on. They, I, I didn't get a call from anybody. I didn't get a call. I don't think anybody got a call from anybody in the union. What do they do? Yeah, these fucking guys. Yeah, we're all vaccinated, boosted over here, bro. What are they, what are they doing? You know? What, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, honestly. I don't know what, you know. I, you know, and everyone, what about the contract? I don't give a fuck about your contract, dude. There's people that, 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 people that are starving. There's people that are starving. You're worried about your your contract guy. I guarantee that guy. I guarantee you. There's a lot of people that would like to have your salary right now. This guy's probably got vaccinated with sugar pills. <laughs> it's, dude, it's just it's it's just so much. It's just so much bullshit. It really is. It's just such a one way job, man. It's so different from the fire department. You know, I watched uh, Sophie Medina, Bravest for Choice. She's back. She's back at work. Wins a medical exemption, 
union reps for FDNY, for the UFA and the UFO. I think one's for like the bosses and one's for the, the uh, one's for the firefighters, right? I forget the, the names of them, but they're, they're up in there and they're doing like, I swear to God, they're doing like the end zone dance where like, touchdown, look what we did. This is the, these are the guys that gave to Kathy Holchel too. They gave, uh, I think they gave, they gave less money than Pat Lynch. I think they gave 38,000 or something. So I forget the exact number. So they donated to Kathy Holchel too. Um, so there they are. They're like, yeah, the other unions are going to follow what we did. This is because of what we did. Bah, 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 bah. And Sophie Medina is off, not working, walks right into the press conference, gets herself up on the podium, <laughs> starts talking. She goes, this is a step. I don't even care about myself. I'm back. She's back. They don't have back pay. They were never given back pay for all the time. They were on leave without pay. Never given back pay. She's back now. And she says, I don't, this fight's not over until everybody's restored to meet Holt. Until all the guys that were terminated and forced to resign were restored and made whole. This is not about me. And she had nothing to gain by doing that. She's putting herself out on an island. She's on the job still. She's putting herself on an island. That's leadership. That's looking out for one another, you know, and she's not even in, in a leadership title, you know, she's a, a firefighter. You know, she should be in a leadership title. Um, and I was like, wow, look at this girl. She's got nothing to gain. And she's still standing up for the people who could do nothing for her, right? They're fired. They're this. And she's still out there doing it. So I was like, Wow. I was like, it just shows how one way the NYPD has turned all of us. Every What about me? What about me? What is the chief doing when those guys step down? I'm going to get my second star, bro, because this guy's an idiot. All he had to do was bend his morals. All he had to do was destroy the job and make it worse for the next guy. I, I could get right in there. He had two, three stars. Three stars, you know? So, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I know you're trying to write history books here, but there's going to be a lot of history written about this time. I don't think any is going to be on the right side of it. John, I think it's a great time. You and I are big fans of Jordan Peterson. You have that quote. You got to read that about thinking and being offensive. People need to hear that. People that are in leadership, they need to hear this. Because I think that's such a powerful, powerful quote. And I, I, I have nothing but admiration and respect for that. And I want to live by that. I think that's really important. You have it? Uh, I don't know what I did with it. You want to text it to me? Nah, I don't know. I mean, listen, yeah, I don't know exactly what it was. But I, I, you know, I, I, I basically know the quote off the top of my head anyway. It's, uh, it's, 
you you can't think without risking being offensive. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Almost to a T. You can't think without risking being offensive. And basically, if I can't talk and I can't say say things, I can't think, right? Like I can't think. So if I if, if I'm so worried about being offensive that I can't talk, then I can't clearly articulate a thought in my head either. Because I'm being boxed in to, to a scenario because I'm being bullied and I'm being controlled, you know, and, and, you know, I'm saying a lot of things I say are thoughts. Some of them are wrong. I don't care. It's just what I'm thinking at the time. I'm not allowed to say, I'm not allowed to express my opinion. I'm not doing it from a place of hate, doing it from a place of how I feel. And then if I'm not doing that, why should anybody trust me? Why should anybody like me? Why should anybody trust me to be in a leadership position or be like, oh, yeah, John's an honest person? No, no, John's just being careful. John's just being careful. John's not, John's doesn't want to offend anybody. So, oh, okay. So let me not offend anybody when all my friends are getting demonized and coerced. And I'm watching people get stuff stuck in their body that they don't want and they don't need, obviously. Because here we are. After fucking a year of being treated like an asshole, here we are. Now I'm finally able to talk about it. And everyone's saying, oh, you know what? Maybe he was right. Oh, yeah, maybe. Right? But maybe. But we, we couldn't have had a conversation a year ago. I mean, I was too dangerous to work, but no, I wasn't too dangerous to hug and kiss and hang out with. That, that's the, and that's the part that really bothers me is that, like, you know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, you know, you made that decision. What's the big deal? You got to test. I'm like, I'm dirty. My wife and my kids are dirty. No, I didn't say that. No, you did. What do you mean? Why do I have to test and you don't have to test? Why do I have to wear a mask and you don't have to wear a mask? I'm dirty. My kids are dirty. And even the word unvaccinated to me, I thought was a fucking sham. And I didn't like to be called it. And I still to this day. I'm like, what do you, who are you calling unvaccinated? I'm vaccinated. I, I, took, I took every vaccine that works. I'm pro good vaccine. I'm pro vaccines that work. That's a good point. I, you know what? I, I'm honestly, I'm listening to you, and, and you really pierced my uh, my thoughts on this one. It's a great point. I mean, you are vaccinated. You went to school. You went to public school in, in in New York City. You had to be vaccinated. Yeah, I'm not unvaccinated. I'm unvaccinated against COVID nineteen because I have I have um, my immune protection. I have uh, I have an immune response protection from from the antibodies that I received. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I agree with you because isn't that the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to have an immunity against the disease, right? So yeah. you having the antibodies is the same thing as a vaccine, right? Because isn't a vaccine giving you the antibodies? You're getting the actual live disease? I, I, I mean, am I right? I'm, I'm not a doctor. I could be wrong, but that's – isn't that ultimately what it is? Dude, it's years of science. You got, we all got, we all, remember when we used to, everyone used to get chicken pox? We all got chicken pox. Right. Do you need the chicken pox vaccine? No. Right. And I got one better for you. They needed fucking five shots when they told you you only needed one or two. Oh, no, 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 no. Those ones didn't work. You got to get a couple more. Oh, that one didn't work either. Oh, yeah. The reality is we just got to do it every six months. Like, what? <laughs> what? You know, and even when guys were getting it, they're like, look, I'm like, well, why is there why is there other spots for the dates? Why weren't you just good for the one time? That's true. 
oh, uh, I don't know. I was like, yeah, yeah, because they they already know. They don't work. That's true. When I was in the Marines, I went overseas. I went to Iraq. You had to get the smallpox. Yeah. And but it was a one-time thing. You got you got one time. That's it. You don't ever have to get it for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know. And that was a. You're not getting smallpox every every three months. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's true. You know, it's it, dude. The whole thing is is bullshit. You know. The whole thing was was really dis disgusting. You couldn't eat, couldn't take your kids out. Kids couldn't go to the movie theater. It was all designed and planned. It was all strategic. And so was this move by Eric Adams. He waited till the last possible second to do it. This is his first strategic move. And there'll be plenty of strategic moves within that that have already been lined out eight months ago. You know? But that's um, what I was going to ask you. And so now at this point, his first move, was to lift the vaccine mandate and say that city workers have the option to reapply. Now, he knows, or he should expect, that he's going to be met with resistance from the unions. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to have to put on some kind of show. What do you think his next move is, and what do you think the unions will do? If well, anything. So he's looking to get everybody to come back to do the waiver, or he's going to sell the media message. Oh, they didn't want to come back. I offered it to them. They don't want to come back. You know, and that's where they're going to be. But right now, from what I'm seeing from the unions is they have the pom-poms. And they're like, woo, we won. <laughs> Over, woo. And they're cheerleading for Eric Adams. So, I mean, if they don't have a strong message, I'm going to seek to get a class action lawsuit against the unions too, on top of Eric Adams. And we're going to continue to fight and sue. I'm going to push for ahead with the OEO complaint that I have going. Um, and you know, and, and that's it. So I, I, you know, I made my decision. I got 16 days left. Drum roll. Here's my decision. Eric Adams. I'm seeking full reinstatement, full reinstatement without having to reapply for anything. I want full reinstatement. I want all the back pay for the year that I want, I, that I lost. I want my time reinstated. I want money for my pain and sufferings. And I want an apology. And I want my pension credit. And I want an apology. And then after I get those things, I will then decide if I will stay on the job or if I will retire again. But until I have all five of those things, I will see you in court, my friend. Well, if you go back to the job... We're still going to be doing this podcast, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. I'm not, I'm not putting the muzzle on again. I'm, I'm done with that. I am done with that. I'm 42 years old. I'm done with that. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I'm, uh, you know, more than likely I will not come back to the job, but I, but I am seeking full reinstatement. I am seeking full back pay. I am seeking full pension credit. More than likely, I will not return because I don't believe that I could effectively be a lieutenant or be a New York City police officer and fight crime. I don't believe that mission is there. I believe that's why we're seeing the lack of morale. I believe that's a huge factor in the suicides that we're seeing. That's a huge factor in the exodus we're seeing because we're seeing cops leave all the time that are vaccinated. We're seeing cops leave all the time that didn't experience this coercion that took it early on. You're seeing guys that come on now leave. They're coming on. They had to be vaccinated to get on. They're still leaving. Why?
There's no clear mission. There's no leadership. Everything you said stems from leadership, right? I could I could very easily point to every piece of legislation and every politician and every bull crap in the media that me and you sit here and point out and we rip apart. And you, if you instilled a leader in the New York City Police Department, they could shield the men and women from all of that and insulate it and give them a clear message. And, and even with all that message, because guess what? That's always been true for, for, for law enforcement today. Is it, is it very crazy? Yes. Is it crazier than it was in the 70s? I think so. Yeah, I think I think the messaging is is a lot is a lot crazier. The abolish the police movement is in full force. But if you had a leader that was willing to stand up, the men and women in the police department would follow you. And right now they don't see anybody to follow. Yeah, there's no vision. There's no vision. There's no ideology. There's there's no one to support them. There's, and there's. There's no one that they believe that they could actually follow. I mean, look, we can even compare this. I mean, I know it's just a movie, but when you watch Mel Gibson and Braveheart, they followed him because, man, they said, here's a guy that could take us to freedom, right? That's someone they believe in. Who who would they believe in? And, and because if they are actually going to speak out, it's just going to be a company answer. They're not going to speak the truth. They're going to be careful. As we always say, everyone's always careful. Walking on eggshells. We're all tiptoeing. I'm sorry. You cannot be an effective leader if you're tiptoeing and you're walking on shells. You got to be willing to break some eggs if you want to make an omelet. You want that. It has to be the way. You want to be a strong leader. You have to send a message. You have to be willing to take some scrapes along the way yourself for your people. And I said this before. You and I talked about this off offline. If you're in a meeting and something has to be said, and you may not be popular for the next week or a couple of months, but eventually the truth will come out that what you said is appropriate. Well, then you have to be willing to bear that pain for your people. But they're not because it's self-serving. It's about themselves. And, and honestly, you know, I'm going to admit this here. There's always the term. There's always the term you probably heard before. People always say, if I was commissioner for a day, or if I was chief for a day, what I would do. None of these people would do anything. And neither would you and I, because they would kick us out after the first day, because we would not fall in line. We would not fall in line with the vision that Mayor Adams has, and along with Commissioner Keechan Sewell. So you and I would not be allowed to lead anyway. So it's just a total moot point. So no one could actually be a leader. Anyone that's in leadership positions right now is falling in line. So we know that they will not be leaders because they're not willing to take the stand up, because if they did, they would be removed. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It's definitely a good point, but but it's still it it, it doesn't it doesn't forgive it. Do, it really doesn't forgive. I mean, because every action or inaction, you're responsible for it, right? So if you're like, oh, I'm just a pawn in this game, you're going along with it. Yes, well, that's true. Too. I listen, and I went along with it for a long time. I mean, but we're at the point in New York City, like something's got to give, man, because this. The NYPD is something's got to give, man. Something's got to give. I mean, I'll tell you right now, you know, I, and I'm not saying you should throw your career on fire if you're a CEO. I'm not saying that. At all. I'm not saying, you know, you made it this far. You're where you're at. Was it your fault about the vaccine mandate? No. Uh, maybe you believed in it. Maybe you didn't. Um, you know, you went along with it. You weren't willing to risk your career. I get it. This wasn't your stand. It wasn't your fight. I get it. 
But I mean, you got Justin Brennan in your precinct. You got O.C. Oche in your precinct. You got Tiffany Caban in your precinct. You got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in your precinct. I mean, these people should not want to ever speak to you. They should not feel comfortable calling you on the phone. They should not feel comfortable expressing their insane views to you. You should at least be the person that's standing there in truth onto the mission of what the men and women in the police department do. You should be a voice of power as far as enforcement and public safety. And you are the expert. You know, you shouldn't bow your head to any of these people or be like, oh, oh, the congresswoman's coming. Let's do this or let's do that. No, be respectful, but you should be you should be a powerful figure. They should dread the day they have to pick up the phone to call you like, oh, I got to call this fucking asshole. Oh, I can't believe I got to call this asshole right now because that's, you know, that, that you could do that. You can't change the policy. You can't change the legislation, but you could you could change what you say. You could change what you say. You can. And you could change the way you treat the men and women in your precinct. And you could change the overall environment and culture in your precinct. And you could change the messaging in your community council. You could do all those things. You really could. And yeah, are they going to be wackos? Are you going to have the constant 311 caller that calls up and she's fucking pissed because the, 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 the painting vibrates on her wall and the sound from the restaurant 80 miles away is the one doing it and the sound meter doesn't even go off when you're in her house and nothing's <laughs> vibrating. Yeah, that's not your fault. And you know what? You tell the borough chief when he's like, I got 50 311 calls. It's got to stop. You're like, what can I do? What can I do? Do you want me to kill her? She's calling 311. What am I supposed to do? She's calling 311. I, I, I go there every now and then and I, and I talk to her and I, I run the sound meter. I, what could I do? I can't waste resources on this. And no, this I'm, when you got a team like Eric Dims and they're generating yeah. TIRs, T, TRIs, excuse me, they're generating a ton of TR, TRIs, but they're, they're, they're pulling in a ton of gun arrests. And, and they're comparing them to guys that don't go out and proactively police. You could say, Chief, how is this a fair comparison, Chief? How is this a fair? So do you want me to go clip Eric's wings? I'll go clip Eric's wings. Exactly. Bingo. You know, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned it because I used to also, we talk about the politicians. I used to say, do you think these politicians, these, these local community council members, when they get together, did they laugh how they just abuse some commanding officer in his own priest and, and just basically made him run around and, and accommodate them? I mean, you want to talk about uh, the way they spend money and, and use resources? I remember these community council meetings, and everyone would have to get driven around and driven home, and then all the people, they would make sure the cars were clean that day, like, like they were pulling out the red carpet. We're spending all this money to run around these people that don't like you anyway. Want to abolish you? Yeah, they want to abolish you, and yet you know we're rolling out the red carpet because they want to play the game. Why? Because maybe someone there could get them promoted to their next command. Because again, I said it's self-serving. Honestly, it is. It's about them, not about their people. Yeah. You know, and, and that has to stop. If you're in this game just for money, and just you know, you shouldn't be in this game because this is a life of service. It's not about just money. Yes, money's important, but this is a life of service. It's servicing others before you serve yourself. Yeah, 
and I, I, not to take on movies at all, but like you, you brought up a point and it just reminded me of something. There's a scene in Gladiator in the beginning, in the beginning of the movie, Marcus Aurelius knows he's dying and he doesn't want the throne to go to his son. Great movie. Great. Doesn't want the throne to go to his son. He says that his son's an immoral man, right? He can't lead. He's an immoral man. And he's telling Russell Crowe, and I forget his name, Maximus Meridius or whatever his name was. And he tells him, he tells him, uh, it's got to be you, Maximus. And he goes, I just want to go home. I just want to go home with my wife and kids and raise my crops. That's, he, right. that's exactly why it has to be you. And it, it spoke so much. Like I was like, holy shit, it's so right. Like spoke so well to me because I'm like, that's who a leader is. The guy who really doesn't want the power, but he's the most moral person. What's his overriding concern? His wife and his children and his family, right? His community, yes. environment, his farm, his this, his that. He doesn't want to lead and throw his will on the people and be the leader. When you get a guy like Eric Adams that's just hungry for power and he's already gearing up for his presidential run, and the guy, Bill de Blasio had his universal pre-K, what does Eric Adams have? What get stuff done does he have? What stuff has he got done? Nothing. Nothing. It's a that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, as shitty as May de Blasio was, at least he had universal pre-K. I mean, I, I mean that that was that was an accomplishment, right? And he, Mayor yeah. Adams gets stuff done. What's your accomplishment? What is it? And as the, and as de Blasio dismantled the police department, step by step by step. We were still going out there. Crime was still falling. It was still falling. Eric, he still had a better mayoral run. Eight, it, his eight years combined were better than Eric Adams' first year. Yeah. And, I mean, it was not too long ago that we were saying how he was the worst mayor in, in New York City and he tore the city down, which is 100% true. But I think Mayor Adams is giving him a run for his money. Oh, yeah. I, I I think he surpassed them. I mean, me personally, I think he, I think, I think as of right now, he's the worst mayor in New York City history. I, I, I agree. Already, and, and I don't think that Bill de Blasio is a moral person. I don't think he had the leeway that Eric Adams has, you know, and they try to paint Eric Adams as this moderate. He is a lefty progressive as far as they go. And this is just a game they play, you know, to, to, to shield him from, from the, to the real media that he deserves. Um, he deserves worse than Big Bird ever got. And de Blasio used to get crushed. He used to get crushed by the media. And he took it. He, you know, he didn't care. But Eric Adams, if the media asks him one question, he's throwing a temper tantrum up there. It's because I'm black. It's because you don't look like me. It's you know, all this crazy shit. He's throwing the race card out, all this other stuff. You know, he, he's a weak leader, man. He's a weak leader. He's a moral man. I find it despicable when he brings up the race card in there because – you were race is not an issue. You were voted as the mayor of New York City. I mean, yeah. it's not even an issue. And but people are afraid to comment about his flaws, about his pitfalls, because they want to be careful. Because if they say something about Adams, they could potentially be considered as racist. That's not racist. If you don't agree with his views, if you said I didn't like him because he's black, you know what? You're an asshole. That's wrong. That's racist. But if you're saying, I don't like the actions you're taking, we're talking about the, the vaccine mandate. People should be screaming and hollering. Say, this is disgusting. It's not just police officers. Even if you're anti-police and you hate the police, it's against teachers. It's against firemen. 
It's all city workers, sanitation workers. These are everyone here plays a pivotal role and important for the city to function. All these people are important. But so one year ago, they were a detriment to everyone's health. But all of a sudden, February 10th, you're not a health problem no more. You're good to go. In one year, everything changed. And, you know, and I find it funny, like everyone shies away from talking anything about race because Eric Adams is black. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to shy away from talking about race or saying anything I want for any matter. Any word I choose to use does not define me as a person or my acts or my empathy or what I care for or define me as a racist. You know, and, and one of my friends was texting me, oh, be careful, be careful, be careful. You, you know, you're pushing the edge. You're doing this. You're doing that. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, this guy's anti-civil rights. He's a racist. He forced people to stick things in their body. He was trying to get your kids to stick things in their body. He forced me out of my career. Oh, I get it. I was like, no, you don't get it. No, you don't get it. Don't tell me you no. get it. You do not get it. You do not get it. I'm like, I'm not, I, like I, I don't, you know, like I said, I don't harbor ill will towards our Eric Adams at all. He could come here right now. I'll make him a cup of coffee. We'll sit down and talk. But I'm going to tell him exactly what a piece of shit he is that I think he is and every reason why I think he is. And, and he, he could talk to me like a man, but he won't because he's immoral. He's an immoral person. He's not a good person. And, not, and those are my problems with him. Those are my issues with him. Oh, he's the mayor. We need to work with him. No, he works for us. He needs to get put into a check first. He needs to come back and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I want to apologize to all these people and I'm going to reinstate everyone. And hopefully you guys come still work for me. That's what he needs to do. John, he's, he's, I don't know how you can say he's immoral. He slept in a shelter. For an hour with empty beds all around him, his security <laughs> guards standing right next to him. And he, they, he placed purposely placed two people right in between them when all the other beds, they couldn't even make it look good. He should get it Grammy and Oscar, whatever, all that shit. Was, was that the NYPD TV movie? Well, who was that? It was uh, it was his bodyguards, you know. It was the interview. Now, now when you go to a graduation, you're going to see James Earl Jones' NYPD Heroes video, and in the end, they're going to show Mayor Adams at the shelter? Is Steve that going to be part For an hour. Pretending like he just woke up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fucking clown. Uh, it really is. It's a joke. I think Pat Lynch was in the back holding his water and Lou Turco was wiping his head. And I don't <laughs> oh, even know. Listen, they, they all love him. They all love him. I mean, they, they're cheerleader, man. They're cheerleading. They're, they're, they're not they're, saying anything in opposition. He, we ended the mandate. Everybody under the mandates. Everybody. Everybody under the mandates, but yet nobody's back to work. <laughs> Reapply and we'll decide. <laughs> That's insane. I, I mean, do they have to go through that whole like six hour psych? That's insane, dude. I don't know what the hell they have to do. And how are they saying? What, what was it? What was it? Uh, what was it that they said? I forget the terminology. It was what about reapplying? Yeah, it was hysterical, dude. It was uh... reinstatement is not automatic for everyone who applies. It's at the discretion of the city agency. Is that like come reapply so we could deny you and then say you voluntarily left and we we no we we couldn't rehire this person. Yeah. You know? They're an 
<laughs> you should reapply on day 17. <laughs> Fuck your ridiculous. Ah. Uh, that's outstanding. I, I, I won't I, I I don't think that's a that's a reasonable offer. I think that's re-victimizing the victims. That's what I think. I think that they, they, and they, and he wants to walk away from the illegality that he knowingly did. Nobody could sit there and reasonably have a the reason they don't have a conversation with you is because they can't reasonably answer a question that they didn't understand that this was illegal. I mean, how we have a director of OEO or diversity, equity, inclusion that does not know that this violated OEO law is beyond me. But th this is scary to me because, I mean, what's next? What if they say, you know what, next year uh, we, want a, we want a clean department. You know, we've, uh, we had discussion with civilian complaint review board. We're going to start from scratch. So anyone in the police department that has three or more substantiated CCRBs, uh, you have seven days. Uh, it, to get your stuff cleaned up, you're going to be terminated. Yeah. Why not? I mean, honestly, they proved that they could do it. Why not? Listen, I'll start a media campaign right now. Media comes down. Climate change is there. Anyone that has a kid going forward needs to get a vasectomy. Every guy. Every guy that has one kid already, you need to get a vasectomy. Right. You know, if you're over this age, you need to get a vasectomy. I start the whole media campaign. NYPD gives you fucking seven days. Guess what? None of you guys are going to have balls because you already don't. They well, it's funny you say that. So well, You know what? I mean, honestly, it's just a little scary. Okay, sorry. What if what if a woman is a cop right now? I mean, could they tell her, you know what? If you have a kid and you get pregnant, you, you can't have this job anymore? You can't get pregnant? That's, I mean, I mean that's, what, that, that's, that's what they did. They, they could tell you anything. They could tell oh, I got pregnant. My husband and I decided to have a kid. I, you know what? I'm out of a job. They could tell you whatever you want. They violate your contract. So when that's why I love when people tell me they can't do that. I'm like, they can't do that? Look what they fucking did, bro. Look what they did. Any day, it's what we allowed. But now they set the tone. They could do anything. They could come up with anything, and you'll have to oblige by it. And if we would have just did what, what I fucking proposed is everybody that has time, put your papers in. And they'll fold tomorrow. They would have folded. This wouldn't even have been an issue. They would have folded overnight. Overnight. If you would have had 10, 15,000 guys put their papers in, overnight, the city would have went away. All the chiefs would have said, we're not doing this. We're not firing our good guys and girls. No. What'd they do? They held on. Dermot Shea held on for the last second. So he could be the police commissioner for the last second. He knew he was out because he was a white guy. And then all the people they told to get out, the only ones that stepped up were Jaffe, Pollock, and the other ones. And at least they got money and they deserved it. They got told, oh, no, we want more women in the ranks. So they got rid of women chiefs. And they were like, wait a minute. What kind of messaging is that? Right, right, right. What kind of messaging is that? You know, the, the, male, the male whites that got thrown out to diversify, they didn't say boo. They're still hanging around the police department looking for commissioner jobs, and some of them have them, you know? Well, they're paving, they're paving their way for their sons and daughters to get on the job. That's why. I, and I say it all the time, and I'll say it again. I hope that the executives on this job have enough offspring to fill the ranks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't know who's, I don't know who's making it 25 years now to even get up to those ranks at this point. We're going to have some young-ass chiefs coming forward. We're going to have some young-ass chiefs. Way, no one, younger okay. than, way younger than the time we got on the job. Like, you're not going to get, you're going to be getting 14, 15 year chiefs. 
Oh, yeah. They're going to have to bump them up. You're going to go from captain to chief. Yeah, because they're going to have no choice. Because nobody's making The messaging is off. There's no leadership. Look what they're doing with this. The unions. Even the unions. These guys have given away everything by the end of the day. By the end of this, I I, I can't wait for this contract to drop just because I want to see what was given away. I want to see what was given away. I'm very curious about it. <laughs> and well, when is it going to drop? And, and when it drops, it's only going to be two years. Again, they're now almost five years in the hole, right? Because it's six and a half years now. Yeah, is it? I don't know. Let's see. Is it going to be a two-year deal? If it's a two-year deal, if it's a two-year deal, I mean, I... I, I, I but it's with Perp, right? Perp's a two-year deal. Unless both parties agree to a longer deal. Yeah, but that's not good for Pat Lynch. Pat Lynch needs to keep fighting this to stay as, as PBA president. He's going to want two, a two-year deal. Well, it depends what the city offers him. I mean, if the city offers him, if he can give away enough to get the percentage points to make it look like he beat the other unions, even though he really wouldn't have because he's giving away stuff to get the added, the added thing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all a loss at this point. I mean, you know, even if he got, you know, you lost so much money going forward. I mean, it would have to be like probably 15. You would probably have to get like a 15, 20% raise. And even then, I don't think you could get back what you what you lost already in these six years. All no. the stuff that would have went into your pension and the ITHP and would have got accrued interest and all that stuff. I don't think you could get that money back. I, I, I think it would even have to be bigger than 20%. Um, not, and, and there's no way they're not getting twenty percent. And I mean, right up front. I mean, twenty percent, like boom, you got twenty percent raise today. Impossible. I, I, I still don't even think that you'll make up that money. You know, um, no, you can't because it's all compounded interest that you lose. Yeah, yeah. Um. So we'll see. You know, it, it, if he takes the two year deal, though, I mean, that's a bad, bad look, man. Because you just basically only took two years of what the lieutenants and the sergeants and the detectives all got six years ago. I think that's what they're going to do. Wow. I think that gives him more room to, to have a fight in the game, to stay stay present. I mean, a lot of guys are not going to want to elect a new PBA president while there's still an open contract to, that they feel that uh, you know he's the one that has skin in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. It's scary stuff, man. Honestly, it, what's going on here? I can't believe this is happening before our eyes. Again, I really mean it. In 20, 30 years, our kids are going to be saying, wow, this really happened? No way. Tell me about it. Well, I, ho I hope that's what they're saying because I hope that we all can start to stand up for these things and, and see the importance of standing up as opposed to money. You know what I mean? And, and you're right. At the end of the day, you're not going to have that money with you. And, you know, no, you're not. You're just gonna have stories. That's it. What are gonna yeah. be your stories? That's my message to the cops that that are there right now. If you're working in the New York City Police Department, what are gonna be your stories? If you're not happy there and you can't be a cop and you have to find yourself a position to stay away from actually doing the job that you want to do, you're going to have no stories. Your stories will be that you know I had to hide in the corner. I hated my life. Go best out and get another job that's going to appreciate you. Honestly. That's my message. <laughs> I hated the corner and I hated my life.
That's true. You gotta- the next, that should be that if you want to have a successful career in the NYPD, I hid in the corner and I and I uh, and I hated my life. Honestly, the slogan, slogan, <laughs> maybe two one two recruit. Listen, I was given that choice, and my last year, I was told, you know, uh, I was I was I was told that. Hey, listen, we know the CCRBs. You know, you got to. I was put on the shelf at eight sets of charges. They were going to hook me up with Intel or the squad. And you know what? For some people, I'm not knocking it. For some people, that's awesome. Like, wow, Intel, squad, they love it. For me, I was over the squad numerous times. I didn't want it. That was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be out there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want it. I I wanted to be out there with a gun belt. With the men and women, getting the bad guys—that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do that. To me, that was a prison sentence. I was like, you know what? I'd rather leave and talk shit with John. But here I am. Maniac, maniac. All right, bro. Two hours. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. You know, I think right. we, I think we said it. Uh, you know, I, I you know I gave my decision, so I'm not. I wanna. I want full reinstatement, pension credit, back pay, and I want an apology. That's right. You heard it. You heard it from John McCarry, who was forced out, but he wasn't. He made the decision because he was not going to stand for it. That's what he's asking for: reinstatement, back pay, an apology, and, and rightfully so, and pension credit. You deserve pension credit. You should get a buyout that allows you to have a full pension with twenty years of service, which includes a variable supplement that's what you should have and you should be getting that pension now immediately i agree i like you i like your uh i like your terms better eric i agree and and i think that's what honestly should be offered to everybody you know i think i think honestly that should be offered to everybody uh you know it's 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 abhorrent what he what he did so that that's my take on it i'm not knocking anybody that goes back i i but i, I think it's a trap i really do I agree. I, I can't. I can't knock people. Listen, when it comes to, you know, for food, for hand to mouth, you have to do what's necessary. I, I, you know, we all have different situations and different financial positions, and we all handle stress differently. And there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody's different. Um, but like you said, before, if you are going to reply for the cops out there right now or any rank and file, please read the fine print and really ask yourself. Is this the decision that you can live with in 20 years from now? That should be your decision. You know what? How will I feel about it if in 10 years from now there's a class action lawsuit and I can't be a part of it? How are you going to feel? Are you going to let yourself down? It's most important that you have to look yourself in the mirror and be happy with your decisions. Is $10,000 a month on your pension going to be worth it if you could get seven or eight thousand but then live with yourself you have to ask yourself if, if that's not the case if your goal is a specific number and it's about finances you know what god bless i encourage you but you have to do what makes it right that when you lay down at night and you look at the ceiling and your eyes are closed and when you're going to sleep can you sleep comfortably or you have to say man was i a coward and you have to ask yourself those questions you know you have to look over at your wife or your husband or whoever and look them in the face and you can feel comfortable who you are then you make those moves. But if you got if you're on the fence and you say, you know what, I don't know if I can live with myself, then you really have to really sit back and think about it. So you know what? That's why I say 
I don't regret my decision. I made the choice to retire because I was the target civilian complaint review board. I do not regret it. I had the option to go to Intel Squad or some other place to hide out. It wasn't me. I wanted to be who I am. And that was Special Operations Lieutenant, lead the best men and women being out in the street. And if I couldn't do that, this is my new path by supporting the cops in this message. And this is our mission. And my mission is to seek the truth and tell the truth. That was the one thing I was known for when I was on the job. I wasn't afraid to speak up. My cops that work for me, they know it. They say, man, if there's anything I always remember about you, Lieutenant, you were never afraid to ask questions. I would always go ask the bosses anything that I could, any way I could help my guys off. If it was getting them days off or getting them more overtime or getting something they needed, I would ask it, even if I knew they were going to laugh at me and throw me out of the room because I had to ask it. That's the best way to do it. That's how you lead. You represent your men and women to the best you can. You look at and you seek their best interest. Well said. Well said, my friend. All right, brother. I appreciate it. We'll get this one out quick. And uh, that's it, guys. Thanks for listening. Tune in. Please join our Rumble. We're definitely getting thrown off of YouTube. I don't know how many times I can say it. <laughs> join the Rumble. Go to Rumble. Download the app. Subscribe to our Rumble. All right. Everybody that listens for the audio, thank you. We're getting a ton of downloads. I love it. It's growing every day. It's insane. I still can't believe anyone wants to hear me and Eric talk shit, but thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care.